Hello, everybody. You're listening to Cinephiles Digest, episode 127. And on the show this week, we have a review of the new Todd Haynes flick, May December, streaming only on Netflix. Should be a fun conversation. We'll move into that shortly. But first, let me introduce my co-hosts, Travis. Welcome to the show. Hello, Matthew. And Paris. How are you? Hi. I'm good. So we're kind of, uh, how does that expression go? Flying by the seed, the seam of our pants? Seat, seat, like seat. your butt. Uh, is that what that means? Flying on our butts? Flying like by on, the seat of like your a pants? magic carpet? The seat of our I pants? That is correct. Yeah. Uh, well, no, I, I don't really know why this is so... <laughs> don't ask me to make sense of it, but that is... I mean, I don't second. know what it means. Yeah, what? But anyway. Matt, how have you not, like, what? We're kind of flying by the seat of our pants because, one, we were dealing with technical issues, and two, our daddy-to-be is uh, kind of on call because uh, the wife is... Uh, was her due date technically yesterday? Technically yesterday, the 6th. So I have one hand on my mic and one hand on my car keys. Hell yeah. One so. hand in my pocket and the other <laughs> one's trying to figure out if I'm having a baby. <laughs> There's always a possibility that Travis may have to bounce at any point during this recording. So, uh, Which could be huge. Could be huge. It could make for good podcasting. It would be even better if you could bring your laptop and your mic with you so we could be there for the birth. <laughs> um, I know Chelsea is. It said that was okay, but... Right, an, we got An consent, audio birth. So. We're going to live stream it, too, from our Instagram account. Live birth that we don't on have. the air for the first time ever. Our first time streaming video. <laughs> it's the birth Chelsea's of Travis's birth. child. Uh. Uh, so that'll be huge. But um, anyway, how's it feel, Travis? You could be a daddy tonight. You don't know. Uh, are you, are honestly, you excited? It, or are you nervous? Or Definitely nervous. Waiting? Hasn't hit me yet. Um, but it will once it's there, you know. Uh, I don't know the baby or the what, the baby, it yeah, it? yeah, it, it, the thing. <laughs> That's when it'll hit you. The what? Yeah, you'll have that movie moment where the movie, like the baby, well, comes out, and then you have like the strings, the soaring strings, and the tears, and the all that stuff. Exactly. It still doesn't feel real. I mean, I haven't fully accepted it, or it just hasn't fully dawned on me that. I'm going to be a dad in the next few days. I don't know. Mm. It's a weird feeling. Well, you're not really an overthinker. I think me and you are similar in that way. I don't really get like stressed out very often about like what might happen. I can't. I get stressed out. I can't. There's too much <laughs> other things to stress about. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You guys, that is, I am so jealous of that life. Like what I have anxiety. So every moment of my life is some spectrum of worrying about the next moment or many moments in the future. Like what? Well, there's certain things that I stress out about and that give me anxiety, but like big, big stuff for whatever reason doesn't like, I'm pretty like calm under pressure. Like if there was like some sort of like, you know, tragedy or like super intense thing that happened, I would probably be the person who's like, everybody, blah, 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 you know, like would f- step into that like calm, cool, and collected role. At least Same, that's how I am in my head. I think that's different oh, yeah. from, I mean, I've had to be that person, but 
that is very different than having anxiety about having to do that. Well, I mean, sure. I, I think I'm a bit of a worrier, but the big things or the things I can't really control, you know, the inevitable, I try not to think about too much because there's just so much stress or, or like anxiety associated with that, where if I like fester on it, it just will make matters worse. So mm-hmm. you got to try and step back and just remove yourself a little bit i don't know (laughs) i think for me anyway i think it boils down to i don't stress over things that are outside of my control i only stress about things that like i do have direct control over like uh you know sending an email at work depending on what the context is or like i used to get nervous like before a date or like things like that things that I have direct control over, I would get really nervous and anxious about. Speaking like, on a podcast. Right. Well, I mean, we're far away <laughs> really? from the, the no. podcast butterflies <laughs> at this point. Like, maybe the first Damn, uh, Travis, it's been like six fucking years. Get over it. You still get them every time. You step out on that stage and you just... Oh, barf. <laughs> yeah. Um, why were we talking about this? Oh, right. Because you're going to be a dad and shit. Life event. So... You're not you're not stressing and shit or maybe a little bit, but but yeah, there's gonna be a lot of shit in your future, bud. Oh, yeah. Literally and figuratively. Can't wait. (laughs) Well, what's been going on? Do we have anything uh, anything we need to dig into before we uh, talk about our movie? I have two quick things. Nice. Let's hear it. Uh, First, uh, I on a whim got my nose pierced yesterday. Yes. Massive. Yeah. Well, it's pretty small, but uh Damn well, y'all. Also... That was a great joke. Come on. Just dead air. Was it? I, yeah. I didn't even realize <laughs> you were making a joke until you You said <laughs> massive, you and I said, it. Well, it was pretty small. The piercing anyway, itself? Never mind. Um but <laughs> uh funny thing is that I went to get it pierced and he was like, hey, have you had it pierced before? And I was like, yeah. And he said, the hole might still be open. I was like, uh, I haven't had anything in there for eight years. I only That's had what it she said? F- wow. Embarrassing. Um, <laughs> not embarrassing, but like, okay. Um, sorry, that distracted me so much because I was like, is she an incel or is it like, <laughs> anyway. Um <laughs> what age is she like what is the context is it by choice like is she a asexual like i have so many questions there's um, a whole but, rich life there behind that little joke that Travis just made. yeah 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 we'll 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 uh, deconstruct that later but anyway so he was like i was like there's no fucking way it's open whatever it was only i only had it in for five years before taking it out for eight yeah so plot twist it was open and he stuck this thing in there which is like a widener that starts with the width of a hair and then goes up to one millimeter just how thick it needs to be to get pierced hell yeah so like they he did that and then just put the jewelry in there was no actual piercing so it saved me 30 bucks and like so you didn't get it pierced no i got it (laughs) re-holed i got my hole you got stretched out a little (laughs) i got my hole widened yesterday you guys and i'm gonna be honest it hurts like (laughs) fucking hell way worse than any piercing I've ever had. I've had a I'm few. Really? A guy with like a yeah. pump 
Just like making the tube wider in your nose to thicken it. Just like standing next to you. Just pumping this bike pump. Matt, were you there? It's like, wow, painting a picture. Did I nail it? Oh, yeah. Well, (laughs) you know. fucking idiot. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's very exciting. And I should say you already have your septum pierced. So it's not like you don't. I do have nose piercings or and i i had my nose pierced before and my lip pierced and a bunch of my ears and like other things but yeah i just big yeah um and then the second thing yeah so i got ghosted this week for the first time in eight years and i'm shook y'all i didn't know ghosted set the stage you went on a (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I'll just, I should just shut up. You okay. Well, no, no, no. I'm, I'm open to questions. Like, I'd been out on a date with this person twice. We had a date scheduled, a third date scheduled. The weekend before, not very much texting. It went from all day, everyday texting to not very much the weekend before. I knew they were busy, but I was like, mm, this feels like a pulling away. And then the date was supposed to be on Tuesday. Sunday was the last time I heard from them. And I was like, guess we're not hanging out on Tuesday. Damn. And then just radio silence ever since? Yeah. Yeah. So it started, like, it went from literally texting all day, every day. Like, good morning texts in the morning all the way, like, you know, not like every second of every day, but consistently throughout the day. And then, like, good night texts in the evening. Like, and then through, that was through Friday. Um... And then, yeah, Friday, it was like, later in the day, it was like, good morning, my days have been crazy already, hope your day hasn't been as bad, blah, blah, blah. And I responded, and then didn't get a response until Sunday, and was like, hi, I'm alive, mostly. And I was like, oh, yeah, crazy weekend, question mark. That was the last I heard from them. At least you know they're alive. Do I? okay so you have to believe that they're alive (laughs) the weirdest part is one i'm like we're in our early 30s like just say hey things weren't working out like i'm uh, you know i don't think this is a good fit best of luck on your journey two lines no big deal like yeah i was gonna ask what's the uh the current state of the dating world my thought is again we are in our early 30s we are both had like honor because this was from you guys should be above that well okay for two for multiple reasons one on the thing we said we were looking for primary partners two we had talked about that on the first date prompted by the other person what are your dating goals we talked about it we were in alignment looking for a long-term primary partner okay sick um also i'm not gonna say who but matt one of our mutual friends Oh, I was. <laughs> I thought you were like. I'm not going to say who, but Matt. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm not going to say who, but one of me and Matt's mutual friends. One of oh, okay, I should say, a person that Matt and I both are friends with. They are also mutual friends with, and even hung out with them before we ever went out and said, "Hey, I'm going on a date with Paris," and they were like, "Oh, I think you guys would be a great fit." So, like, of all the people to to ghost. Like, literally, someone who we have mutual friends, where we might run into each other in the future? Like, what a fucking idiot. Have some respect. Right? Like, we're in our early 30s. We're both looking for long-term stuff. And we have mutual friends. And you can't have the... You don't have the fucking balls to go, hey, 
this isn't working out, best of luck to you. You know, I will say that I've been out of the dating game for a long time, but I have been ghosted. And I've also been told that, you know, I just don't think this is worth exploring anymore. And, uh, you know, both kind of equally suck. But, um, those, those are my two I cents. I would say, don't, if don't I have, have to my, thought is, my thought is yes, kind of, if you don't have plans scheduled. We had plans yeah, scheduled. That's pretty weak. And so I need, I, I personally would much rather, I mean, period, I would rather have someone just say it to me. And not to say I haven't ghosted people in the past, you know, I'm not, you know, totally innocent here. But my thought is also, I'm, I don't think I've ever ghosted anyone with plans scheduled. And to me, that's the shitty thing is like, you know what I mean? Like I left my Tuesday like booked for them and then could have done something else on that fucking Tuesday. Yeah, that's pretty weak. I mean, it's it's weak to ghost you in the first place, but then to not like make you aware that the plans are canceled, whether it was obvious or not by the ghosting. Pretty weak. Yeah, it sounds like this person just doesn't really I don't know if it's the first time they've done that to someone or what, but they like if you're going to ghost somebody, they did all of the things wrong you know like if you're gonna go somewhere right. you go on like a date and then you know oh you know had a great night or whatever and then you just that's when you go so you don't make the yeah you don't you just there. you just don't make a second date yeah. and then you just don't <clears throat> talk to them but we had a third date planned by them for reference yeah it was wild i also consider myself pretty savvy like i'm not an idiot when it comes to dating and i thought things were going well and i like Talk to a bunch of people about it. And I was like, am I? Anyway, doesn't matter. And off air, Matt, I am going to tell you who it is because you're going to fucking laugh. I have a guess, but you can you can tell me off air. Yeah, definitely. If it matches up with <laughs> I mean, I'm definitely not going to tell you on air because I'm not trying to <laughs> not trying to do that. Stick Mostly, you know why? At the end of the episode. <laughs> no, I obviously I don't want to blow up anyone's no, no. spot and like fucking dox anyone but also part of the reason why i'm not saying that on the podcast is because i definitely lowered my beauty standards a little bit this person is um as one of my friends described them aggressively mid this is exactly the kind of stuff that we yes. do on the podcast. This, this is, is, you, this is Patreon content. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, you can subscribe to the Patreon for the uh, the teardown. <laughs> Actually, also, I'm going to give another hint because this is hilarious. This is fun. Um, the, another hint is Matt and this person have both dated the same person. Whoa. A new wrinkle. Wait. You well, and this person this that I went out with have dated the same person that wasn't me. Like, actually dated. Like, more. Wait, this person dated someone that I have dated? Yes. Yeah, you guys oh. are Eskimo yeah. brothers. Well, I mean, that's, you know, I got, they're all over town. You can fill a stadium with my What are you talking about? 
Uh, no, but I also same. I, I have was. many, many Eskimo sisters. That's why I was like, I'm pretty sure this will either confirm or deny who you thought it was. So yeah, we need to do like a live recording and just invite all of our Eskimo brothers and sisters, and we'll just you know we'll fill the, the ones we share. Or... No, 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 just... <laughs> yeah, I was like, I was like, that'd be too many. <laughs> no, that would be like a fucking open mic at a tiny coffee house, attended by. I don't know how many there are. Probably. Well, you know how most. people do like six degrees of seven. Wait, I almost said six degrees of seven. Six bacon. degrees of seven separation. <laughs> no, six <laughs> degrees of Kevin Bacon. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah, where yeah. you like say, I feel like for a while there, our friend group was that, but it was like who dated who. Yeah. Oh, it definitely was. And then, then I moved away. Well, really, COVID happened, I think. No, 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 no. That's not what happened. Then you met Haley, and you stopped dating people. Yeah, but I mean, you know, I still had the... (laughs) That's really what happened. The the roster that was on the team beforehand were still, you know, around. Anyway, I I can't see the time because I'm. This is the first time I'm not hosting, so I don't know if how far off the rails we've gotten. We are seventeen Very. minutes in. Oh, Sorry, beautiful. y'all. This is, this is usually where we end up. No, this is beautiful content. <laughs> this is usually where we end. Up. I'm like, yeah, we'll go for five to ten minutes, and then we hit the seventeen minute mark, and I'm like, okay, well, we should probably talk about movies at some point. Um, anything else? Great stuff, by the way. Um. I uh, I don't need to spend too much time on it, but um, are you guys fans of the band Alt J at all? No. Yes. <laughs> Sweet. Well, I had the pleasure of seeing them perform their only really album what? note, an awesome wave, this past weekend. Oh, at a festival? No, they just were doing a ten year anniversary of an awesome what? wave. Mm-hmm. They they did three nights here. When? Friday, Saturday, Where? and Sunday. Showbox Soto. What? Apparently, Paris had no idea. I'm I also had no pissed. idea. That makes sense. Hold on, hold on. I gotta. Uh-uh. Anyways, I went to the show, it and it was huge. Uh, I wouldn't say I'm the biggest Alt J fan, but I am a big fan of that album, and. Um, felt like I needed to go see it live. I did actually see at least part of them when I went to Coachella. It was right around the time that this album was released, but um that's their best album. It is, yeah. <sighs> yeah, I had to go I check mean, to make sure. They what? were awesome live and um glad I got to go. I've also uh, seen that band live. It was around that time too. Oh, like really? the Hall Ball. Yeah. Do you remember who else played there? Uh, Phoenix was the headliner. They also played Coachella that year I went. <laughs> they were one Did of you? the headliners. That was probably, it must have been that, whatever year that Coachella was, that it must have been that that year. I think it was around 2013. Phoenix. Yeah, that sounds about right. It was like 2013, 2014, right around there. Yeah, it's just not my jam. I don't dislike all jam, but. They were they were good live. I'll give them that. They sounded really good. Alt J like is you know how some people like have a sex playlist. Like it's just for me. It's some just people? that album. <laughs> like I, I'm yeah, so I I'm so upset right now. You guys like I'm still processing. I well, guess I should have, uh, have to catch him on the twentieth. Pass the news along. 
Yeah, you should have known better, Travis. I don't know. Well, and anytime I share music in this space, I usually get shit on. So no, not by <laughs> me. Okay, I don't think specifically, that's fair. Yeah, no, no. Specifically from Matt. yeah, yeah, yeah. You can always <laughs> share music, music with me because even if I don't like it, I'll just say no, thank you, not for me. Won't yeah, make you feel is bad. That not what I do? <laughs> Matt. Won't make you feel bad for liking it? Yeah, Matt, you absolutely know that is not what you do with anything in your whole life. Anything that you don't like, you're like, you're a garbage person, you trash. Listen, just because I posted yikes as a comment on multiple of your songs and music, <laughs> Travis, does not mean that I was being mean, okay? I didn't know it was you. You had to have known. When I was. Well, except that Matt thought <laughs> that, that heat like song that. that you submitted was Chelsea, so maybe he's oh, a fucking yeah. idiot. Well, so did Haley. I mean, to be fair, well, yeah, I can, that's probably a thing you can say, right? The Your your pick in uh, our music league, mm-hmm. this most recent round, I thought for sure that was Chelsea, and obviously that was not. Well, I told her to pick that, but then um, I, I had... I wanted to do it initially, but then I was like, well, she should probably be the one to do it. But then she took too long and, uh, you know, have to hit those hit deadlines. So I uh, jumped in, took the opportunity. What Subscribe to our Patreon for $99 a month to uh, listen to us talk about our <laughs> fantasy music league. Our fantasy where, music Where I went from first to third and am definitely not salty about it. Huge content. Primo content, yeah. If you subscribe to the, the $599 tier, you can join our music league. Just FYI. <laughs> <laughs> For reference, um, that is five hundred ninety nine doll hairs. You much count them individually. Yes, so that's a lot of time out of your day. So, is it worth it? Maybe. Yes. Anyway, all right. Let's give our opinions about stuff that people do care about. I think if they're checking into this show, uh, TikTok content, <laughs> just content oh, no. in general. <laughs> yeah. content machine people don't want to hear about our lives and what we've been doing yeah it's stupid and icky all right let's talk about movies that is what this podcast is after all all right all right let's transition into our review of may december film is directed by todd haynes uh who's probably most well known for directing um well probably most well known for directing carol but he's kind of been a mildred pierce HBO yes, limited series. The TV show. Yep. <laughs> Safe with Julianne, Julianne Moore. Um, Velvet Goldmine with uh, Ewan, Sir Ewan McGregor. Um, yeah, I feel like he doesn't really have like a movie, but he is widely known, especially in the indie film world. It's it's probably Carol if you had to like yeah. pick one though, right? As far as like most mainstream profile. or touch the most Well, also... People. I'm not there, right? Yeah. That was a huge thing when it oh, first, yeah, he when it did came do out. That movie. I, I Which feel one? like that movie hasn't had much impact though. I'm not there. The the bomb. Oh yeah, is that what's called the Bob Dylan one. Uh-huh. Yeah, it, it was, was the like, one where like a bunch of people played Bob Heath Dylan. Heath Ledger, Christian Bale, Kate Blanchett. I'm pretty sure. Kate Blanchett. Yeah. Oof. <laughs> Honestly, that movie seemed like a fucking stupid premise, but it was great. I loved it. 
I've I need to. I think I've seen it years ago, but don't really remember anything about it. I'd be curious yeah. to revisit it, though. Well, anyway, this film stars Natalie Portman, Julianne Moore, and uh, Charles Melton. Plot synopsis. 20 years after their notorious tabloid romance gripped the nation, a married couple bucker, Jesus, buckles under pressure when an actress arrives to do research for a film about their past. Uh, so as we said earlier, this is a Netflix film. It did play in select theaters in November, but uh, it wasn't playing around here, I don't think. Or it might have played at the local indie theater, but uh, it's officially on Netflix now. And uh, it is loosely based on the Mary Kay Letourneau scandal from the 90s um, in, mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. There are some very direct allusions to that, you know, scandal. Um, but, you know, we can get into that more later, I suppose. Um, what did you guys think about May, December? Travis, you can go first. Uh, so I actually watched this twice. I watched it the day it released on Netflix, and then I watched it the other night with Chelsea. And uh, I will say I liked it on first viewing, and I loved it on the second viewing. Nice. Uh, it's definitely has a style and tone to it, and um, it may be a little off-putting the first time you see it. And um, that may be where some people's criticism criticisms come from where they just maybe don't get what the movie's going for, even though I think the movie makes it pretty obvious in what it's trying to do. Um, <clears throat> I love the performances all around. I really liked um, the the guy in it. I think his name is Charles Melton. Mm-hmm. Yeah? Yep. Uh, I'm not familiar with him, but uh, the way he embodied the character in this I thought was pretty fantastic. I know he is getting some award buzz it's, uh, that season. And, um, yeah, I think there's some awesome sequences that we can get into a bit more later. Uh, I like the, like, darkly humorous tone to it. I mean, it's not throughout because there are some pretty genuine moments as well, but it definitely has a tone that that's... Uh, kind of making fun of uh, what it is in a way. But um, yeah, I think the main thing I liked about it is just how um, we as a society or consumers get so wrapped up in stories like this that are ripe for like, you know, tabloids or true crime. And um, yeah, just the commentary on how we kind of exploit these stories for our entertainment or to make a profit. And um, I think the ending kind of plays into, like, is it really worth it or not? Um, But yeah, uh, I think it's one of the best movies of the year. It um, fits right in line with his other works. And um, yeah, I I loved it. Beautiful. Uh, Well, I I can go next. Um, I will echo a lot of what you just said. I uh, love this movie. It's like... Tonally, it's consistent, but it definitely is kind of all over the place. It's doing a lot of different things simultaneously. I mean, the movie is like kind of equal parts like funny, but also like heartbreaking. It's sensitive, but there's also this like 
diabolical like undercurrent that runs through it where it like makes the audience like i don't know there's kind of a weird relationship that the movie has to the audience as far as like making you laugh and then you know 10 seconds later making you feel like an asshole for laughing at what just happened and just kind of like interrogating that relationship between film and audience in a similar way that you would interrogate the relationship between like, you know, the tabloids and the people who consume them. Um, performances across the board are incredible. I think I wouldn't say Natalie Portman is my favorite performance, but I would say it's probably, if not her best performance, it's one of her best performances. I mean, I, I like Natalie Portman, but she's not someone that I like. I don't know. She's she's not someone that I refer to as like, you know, a top tier, like incredible actress. There's one scene in particular, like a monologue scene that she has that is just insane. It's it's so good. Um, so she does great work here. Julianne Moore is incredible, but she's always incredible. Um, but Charles Melton, for me, was kind of the standout. It's kind of, it's a tough role to play, obviously, for many reasons, but he brings this like naivete to the role but also a gentleness that you kind of need to make what this movie is going for work um and it's also just funny like there are moments that are laugh out loud funny like the the main one that uh people seem to reference the most in what i've seen discussed about this movie is really early on in the film where Julianne Moore's character like opens a refrigerator and then this like super dramatic score kicks in and then the camera (laughs) zooms in and then she's just like, I don't think we have enough hot dogs. And then it cuts to like uh, Charles Melton's character grilling like 40 hot dogs, like plenty of hot dogs, which is an early look into like her character. The party or group of people is like, you know, maybe two families, like two, two full families, but the, the amount of food it's on the that. grill is like it's a huge endeavor. Maybe you like would think. six families or more. Right. <laughs> but it's just like I think part of what I find so intriguing about the movie is that it's I mean, Todd Haynes has always kind of done this, but it's like melodrama, but it's like elevated in the same way that like Douglas Sirk kind of did it. I mean, Todd Haynes like remade a Douglas Sirk movie, so it's like the influences is obvious there, but everything from the way it looks to just like making a mountain out of a molehill as far as like what you're actually watching the stakes are so low but the way it's presented and the way that it's portrayed and filmed and the score and everything gives like such high stakes to these like really like small moments that are happening and i loved it i haven't stopped thinking about it i mean i just watched it last night but there's just like the more I think about it, the more it reveals itself to me. And I just like, I don't know. I loved everything about it. It's definitely growing the more I sit with it. And I'm excited to hopefully get in a rewatch before we do Cram Jam. But even if it doesn't, I think it'll be, it'll be in the conversation when we do our year end list. So um, those are my general impressions. Paris, where'd you land on this one? Okay. So (laughs) after hearing y'all talk about it, I think that I have a very important question before I give even start to give my general thoughts. And that is, do you think that this is camp? And if so, or if, and if, if not, 
Do you think it is intentionally funny? Yes. I do not think that it is camp. And I know that has been like hmm. the discourse around okay. this movie. But no. And I will admit that like I did find But you it do funny. think it's intentionally funny. Yes. And I that's the the reason I know that is because well, I know that the director, I read an interview with the director after the movie and he said part of his goal when he made this movie was to try to make scenes that will make the viewer laugh, but then make them feel bad for laughing right after it happened, but be subtle enough about it that they don't necessarily understand that that's what he's trying to do so Mm. that they have to interrogate that themselves. Okay. And I thought that was brilliant. And that's how I felt. Subtlety is an interesting an interesting thing to mention. Travis, do you think this is camp? Uh, I mean, yeah, I I agree that it's the humorous moments are intentional and there might be like some campy aspects of it, but I think part of it is also played straight. Like to Matt's point about melodrama, this is like space Todd Haynes has explored before. And I think, I think that's an aspect he's going for, but he's also like commenting on it or making fun of it in a way, like just that style of film. And it's almost like a movie within a movie. Yes. You know, there's like a, there's like a performance and duality aspect. And I mean, there's there's a lot going on. So the reason I asked this is because, um, there were a couple times where I was like, Oh, this is sort of a almost satire of like cheesy Hallmark movies. Not the ones that are like, Christmas is great. Go back home and meet your husband. I mean, the ones that are like from the 90s that were like all after about school like, special kind of. Yes, that were like <laughs> this woman what has been, you know, beaten by her husband and then she cheats on him and what happens next? Like those kinds of Hallmark movies like of when I was in elementary school, like my best friend's mom used to watch those all the time and I was like, yes, like the soapy, melodramatic, the soft fuzziness of this movie, the way people speak to each other, the really insane music cues that come out. Where the I'm score like, is awesome. <laughs> so here's yeah, the I thing though. I uh, I feel very mixed on this movie. Because at first, I was like, oh, that's really funny. They're playing it for laughs. And then sometimes it felt like they were actually playing it for drama. And I was like, if this is intentionally camp, hilarious, amazing, smart, funny. If it's supposed to be taken on its face, this is such a bad movie. And I think think it's playing both sides of it. Right. And that's why I'm so torn. And I think, okay, so I had, I actually had a couple thoughts on this that I've been stewing on for a while that I don't know. We've talked a little bit about a while about this is the year that I fall out of love with movies. And I think that I've been stewing on this for a while because I've been doing a lot of cram jam right now. And I'm honestly kind of at that point where I'm like, 
I don't know if I understand the thesis of so many movies I'm watching. And because I don't understand what the point is, it feels like the movies don't need to be made. And therefore, I am wasting my time by watching them. Now, that sounds overly harsh. I don't mean it to be. I don't mean this is a bad movie per se. Because, I mean, ultimately, not to spoil it, but I will give it like a more on the positive side. So I don't want to skew too negative. But y'all were so positive. I, I want to make sure that this piece is said. I just feel like the movies this year, I don't get them. I feel like I'm missing something and maybe it's me or, you know, maybe it's, uh, you know, I don't know. I, 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 I honestly couldn't tell you, but there's been so many movies where I was like, this didn't need to be a movie. And I kind of felt like that with this. One. Like, I don't really get it. See, I, I mean, I feel the way you do about movies in general or movies of this year, but I don't feel that way when it comes to this movie. This to me feels like a step above of what we've been given. I mean, it's all opinion, so say what you will. But um, yeah, for me, this one is kind of one of the special movies of the year. And um, I don't know how versed you are in Todd Haynes stuff, but it might help if Not you've very. seen some of his other works just because of just the themes and like style of filmmaking, I think plays into this. Yeah. You initially, I was initially a little confused. Um, I think when you were talking earlier about Hallmark movies, I think you, you meant lifetime movies, right? Is that what you meant? Same diff. Oh my God! Yes, well, I didn't mean Hallmark. No, 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 <laughs> was, no, 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 no. I was confused for They're very Hallmark different. Movie, like. I did not mean. Oh my God! <laughs> I knew what you meant. I'm such an idiot. I meant. Well, I meant. I meant Lifetime. Thank you. Yeah, because yeah. yeah. they are very different. Hallmark is all positive. Lifetime is both. Lifetime is. You got more, po- but like back in the '90s, Lifetime was like, "You're but, I mean, a they, woman, they therefore both have you're that gonna like, you're gonna get fucked up." They have that like stagey kind of corniness to them, you know. Like obviously, they're touching on real like human things, but like the way they're deployed are just very like obvious and like they beat you over the head with what they're trying to do or say. Well, and I will say, like, I loved the ending. Are we going to do like a spoiler section or? I think we should. Yeah. So we can okay. be more specific. Okay. About I, then I won't, then I won't touch on it until then. Don't touch it. Yeah. Leave alone. I did love <laughs> the ending as well. Well, now that um, you've told me not to, I, I'll, that's all I want to do. <laughs> that I do. So I think that's very intentional. Like the, the lifetime movie comparison. Like I think this movie is like examining our relationship to the way that these stories are consumed by audiences and with the whole lifetime connection i think it's for me there's this through line of natalie portman's character like trying to establish her as like the way she views herself versus how she's perceived. Like, I think a lot of this movie is playing with like perception and reflection and like the roles that we play and how we kind of wear different masks depending on who we're talking to and what we're trying to 
accomplished or even like more um, like d- what we want to extract from somebody. Like we p- play a role if there's something that we want to get from somebody. And I think what the movie is getting at by the end of it, especially with the ending is that you can never really, there's all this talk about like a search for truth, right? Natalie Portman goes on and on about how like, the reason why she's doing this like character study and this research for the role is she wants to reach like uh, find the truth at the story. And I think what the movie is saying is that she's not looking for the truth. She's looking for like something that she can latch onto and extract from this very real human being so that she can like receive praise from people. And I think why the lifetime comparison is apt is because they're, we're told that there was a movie that was made about this story. That's like a TV movie. And then the end of the movie, I won't well, be we more see specific, it at, at but one it's point. like, we well, do. Hold right, on, we hold on, that. hold on, hold on. I want to table that talk until we talk about the ending. Cause I think there's a sure. lot to parallel there. Save the conversation for then. Yeah. But I think that's, that's very intentional. And like, I don't, I don't like this comparison, but I think this movie is kind of doing what, like when people think of elevated horror, and what that does for horror movies, I think this is kind of that for for dramas, specifically like sensational like melodrama. I think it's trying to do a similar thing with its portrayal of the source material. And see, that's but so also... interesting because I didn't necessarily feel like it was an elevation. I almost thought it was like a satire or at least poking fun at at that. It. That's an element of it, but I also I found I find this movie to be very like haunting. Like there's a there's a deep like darkness that permeates this movie that just like you're not gonna find in in a lifetime movie. Like there are scenes specifically with Julianne Moore's character. Um, she's a character's name. What's the character's name? Gracie, Gracie, I think. Yeah, there's a, there's a scene with Gracie's character where she's like in bed crying and Charles Melton's character, uh, Joe, he like (laughs) comes home or whatever. And he's like, what's the matter? Why are you crying? And she's like, Oh, so-and-so like canceled all of their orders. And, and you know, it's just, it's just like her whole world came crashing down because somebody's not buying more cakes from her. And then he's like, Oh, what happened? And she's like, Oh, someone's sick and they're moving away. It's like, she's, this moment is like a soul crushing, like horrible inconvenience when like, she's basically framing herself. It's as all victim about in the scenario. Right. Yeah. It's all about her. And I mean that that's how she feels in the relationship too, to a degree where she doesn't feel like she did anything wrong. And, she was seduced and she's like always playing the victim or like putting down others. I mean, she's, yeah, she's a terrible character, but I mean, for good reason, I guess. <laughs> well, I think by the end of the movie, like it, I think maybe part of why you had the reaction that you did Paris is that the movie, like the first half of the movie, I kind of got the impression that like, it was framing certain characters to be like sympathetic and some characters to be villains. But I think by the end of it, everyone is messy and complicated and no one is a good person really other than like some of the like innocent bystander characters, like uh, the children, uh, their kids. (laughs) Honestly, I would say that children are literally the only good 
redeeming people yeah. in this whole film. All the adults are pretty trash. This could have been Every called uh, single- Little Children. This could have been called <laughs> Every Adult is Bad, a true story. But when we say the children, I, we're speaking specifically about their children that they have together. Her right. child that she had from her prior marriage is um, an adult. And I don't think we would refer to him as a child or children. Well, it, it's her child, though. I mean, uh, yes, they're not. I mean, the two of the kids are not children. I mean, they're adults. It's only it's only yeah. Two one's in college. Are... One's graduating high school. And people in college aren't adults. Like I'm so sorry. Like let's I be would fucking agree for with real that, right though. now. <laughs> they're children. <laughs> in the literal sense, they might be adults, but they're still children. In the legal sense, they are adults. But until yeah. you're 25, <laughs> you're a child. Your frontal cortex hasn't finished forming. Your literal skull and brain are still working on making you an adult. Like. Come on, be fucking for real right now. Well, I think that's a that's a good segue to talk about like the dynamic in the film regarding this age gap. Like, I found it to be like very uncomfortable anytime the family dynamic was happening because you you get confused when when Joe is like interacting with his kids because they they basically look the same age but he's technically their dad and you're just like he i don't know there's when they mention that he's 36 and then at first you're like oh wow those kids are teens and then it's like oh wow they're graduating and then you go oh wow they have a kid in fucking college like and having some knowledge right and having some knowledge of the mary Kay letourneau case I knew that she got pregnant. It was like the same thing where she was pregnant while she was in jail. Therefore, she also, the father of that child was also 13. So I was like, yeah, I do. Like him being 36, I was like, oh, she's 23. Like that is so sick. Right. And just seeing, like seeing him interact with the kids, like he is most of the time acting like a dad but there's something that just is so like unsettling seeing him like in that role and interact in that way with his kids like when he smokes like, weed with his son and he's like i've never done this that before. scene is well that's one of the standouts that's not what i was getting at that is one oh. of the best that is one of the best scenes no i mean when yeah. he's just being a dad when he's like you know that's different because that's that the point of that scene is like illuminating like yeah. his childhood was stolen from him and that was something that he just like never even had an opportunity to do and his right kid and is that like, he's like, like really you've never had and that he's like clearly before? such a baby when it comes to it and like then he's crying and he's like i feel like he says this line that i actually really loved that he says i feel like i'm making a bad memory for you in real time He's well, like, am I first am I doing that, that or are we connecting? Right. And then the son is right. like, no, it's okay. We're connecting. We're connecting. Yeah. Well, that's the first part of it. He's like, I don't know if we're having like a moment and connecting or if I'm like making a memory, like a bad memory. Right. That like, scene was so Which is, yeah, which is so sad intense. too. Like where his son has to almost like pity him Be in the a parent. sense. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly... Not to get dive too deep into personal stuff, but having a 
shitty parent. Um, definitely been there where you have to parent the adults in your life. Like, fuck that. Yeah, there's just uh, there's just so many layers to this movie and to the characters and the relationships that I just like. The more I think about it, the more like on its surface, it's not like a movie that's like difficult to comprehend. But there's just so much going on as far as like it's all very intentional, both in in the script and the way that it's staged and the way that it's filmed and the score. It's all so intentional and just like. I don't know. I, I, the more I think about it, the more I love it. Um, I do think that being able to talk more specifically will help the conversation. Do we have any more general points that we want to cover before we move into a spoiler discussion? Uh, I do have a question. Was the uh, Mary Kay Letourneau story always on your TV as a child? Um, you're a couple years. I'm a older. little young for yeah. I was like, okay. yeah. I know of that from later. getting into true crime later. For, yeah, for me, I mean, for, in in regards to what my parents put on the main TV in the house, the Mary Kay Letourneau story was huge. Uh, the OJ story was also huge. Uh, the home run chase between Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa also huge. <laughs> Right. So you're saying these all of those, shows. all of those I learned about from VH1. I love the nineties. Or- yeah. <laughs> well, the Mary Kay Letourneau thing, what when it was happening, I don't remember. It was the aftermath, like when she got out of prison and stuff. Mm. Um, because I, I, I feel like we followed the whole thing as as a family. I would have been too. Maybe young it, it might have played it. big. I can't forget it, or I can't remember if you guys grew up here or have lived here for an extended period of time. Mm-hmm. But Matt grew up I, uh, what a block, a mile from where he lives currently. Okay, yeah, about, so, about a mile and a half. <laughs> well, I'm, not, I'm from California though, and Matt's family is originally from California, right? But you've we lived were here in, though when this was happening. Okay, because this also took place in Washington State, which may play a factor with why it was such a big really thing. i didn't know that i didn't well, know i didn't the mary kay letourneau story yeah yeah that's <laughs> yes. what i'm saying like i didn't know that yeah burian i think right she really she was a teacher yeah. in burian oh mm-hmm. you know what i feel like maybe i did know that and i had forgotten that is so fucking wild yeah she she served she went to prison you know the guy like that fucked a horse was also in this area yeah yeah that was enumclaw yeah like that what I is knew. it about and so was like Ted Bundy, like, and so many other and serial Gary killers. Like, Gary like, yeah. <laughs> what what is it about this fucking here. area that people are like, I'm gonna be the weirdest possible version? Well, and it's of it's funny because when when you're a kid and you hear about this stuff, you know, like you, everything is like the world or whatever. But then, like as you get older, you're like, oh shit, all this happened in the state that I grew up in. <laughs> I think it's just like the weather and the probably seasonal depression that just like drives people crazy. Ted Bundy went from Florida to Washington. And he was like, Oh man, I just got to commit even more murder up here. <laughs> kill people. <laughs> well, hold on just a second, Matt, as someone who literally moved from Washington to Florida, back to Washington, you have nothing good to say about Florida ever. So what do you mean by that? 
I'm a murder tourist. That's <laughs> I only live in states where there's a, a high contingency of serial killers. It's kind of my thing. <laughs> California to Washington to Florida. Golden State Killer. It, it's a bit. It's <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on. The, the, Matt's the whole life is strangler, a fucking bit. The, the hillside strangler. It's all. Yeah. It's okay, but here's the thing. The Night Strangler and the Hillside Strangler are the same person as the Golden State Killer. Like. Things have no. been connected. Dots have been connected. Yeah, dude. No, Richard Ramirez was the... the um, which one was he? Hillside Strangler? Hillside. I can't remember. But the Richard Bay Ramirez Area... is not the Zodiac Killer. No, 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 no. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I got mixed up. Zodiac and something else. There was something... I'm sorry, y'all. I'm a little drunk. My true crime knowledge is... is all the files are like coming out my head, like that SpongeBob episode where all the little men are running around in his head with all the different filing cabinets and they're just throwing things away. That's me right now. <laughs> Sorry. Please ignore me. Well, yes. So we're talking about sensationalized stories and the, the way that they leave a mark on people. Like, I haven't thought about Mary Kay Laterno in what, 20 years? And. It's interesting that this movie is being made now. Like, I guess it was a, I guess that's a question for the screenwriter, but like, it's, it's very intentional that they're choosing such a high profile case. And like, one thing we haven't touched on, I guess we can speak about now before we move into spoilers is the element of having the actress there doing like research for a role. And I think you said, Travis, it's like a movie within a movie. I think that was your description. Mm-hmm. Um, because what's interesting is that the first half of the movie kind of plays out like a, almost like a procedural story. Like a, it's almost like she's a journalist or something. If, if this was a different movie, it's like she's a journalist or something because she's like interviewing these people and we get to see their perspectives on things. And like the scene with the husband in particular, that was a standout for me. And just like he kind of reacts exactly how you would expect a real person to react. You know, he was like, yeah, it was like, I was shocked at the time, but like that was a long time ago. And you know, they seem happy now, you know, like the the movie is kind of playing with this idea of like perception versus reality. As far as like how you perceive things that happened in your past versus what may be happening beneath the surface that you're not privy to. And I think the movie is explicit in like showing that Julianne Moore's character, Gracie, is still and always has been a predator and is manipulative. And the whole relationship is based on this like imbalanced power dynamic. And the climax of the movie is that like kind of that scene that they have in the bedroom late at night where he kind of confronts her about like wanting to talk about it. And she just is like basically shuts it down and becomes hysterical when she says you seduced me over and over as if she's trying to convince him and herself Ooh, i got chills i was did you know that talk about effective moments i did know that because because i knew that that is the defense that Mary Kay Letourneau gave, that's, I think, why it was so effective for me. Because in the movie, it's really fucked up and manipulative, and it's just sort of cementing what we kind of had suspected going on. 
uh, on all along that she is actually this master manipulator but holy fucking shit to know that that was really what mary key letourneau said about a literal child a seventh grader well even more specifically than that what she, yeah. what she says in that scene is who who was the boss is what she says over and over again she says who was the boss who was the boss and that was actually a, there's a real life interview that mary Kay letourneau and um i can't remember the the kid's name villy i think is his name the real life person that, that joe's character is based on they gave an interview on australian tv it's like not that Vili long ago yes i thought it was villy um they gave an interview on australian tv like not that long ago. I think it was like five years ago, 10 years ago, somewhere in that range. And she literally in that interview uh, says, she says that she says, who was the boss? And he's like, what do you mean? And she's like, who was the boss? She says it over and over and over again. And he's like, why are you doing this? This is weird. And she's like, who was the boss? Like that's, that's as far as I know, the main scene that's like, pulling from something that happened in reality and like recontextualizing it in this movie. But that specifically is something that Mary Kay Letourneau said, but it was on national television <laughs> on uh, uh, like one of those like um, 2020, like, you know, primetime like interview news shows or whatever. Um, you can find the clip. It's been like circulating because people like made the connection when they saw this movie because they remembered that interview or whatever. Um but that's just one of the many moments where she's like demonstrating like she tries to play innocent like she has that line and it's one of my favorite moments in the movie where she says uh she's talking to Natalie Portman's character and she's like I'm naive I always have been uh it's kind of a gift and it's like that's so dark like when you think about what she's really saying she's just trying to like absolve herself and her behavior and that's it, it it matches up with the way that her character has been portrayed because she just like says that she just doesn't think about the past and just like each day is that day and that's that's it. Okay, I really 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 got to talk about the ending cuz that so brings me into like some of the final scenes. Yeah, yeah. Well, anything else? Any other general impressions before we give star ratings and put a spoiler tag on this thing? No, I think Speaking I'm good. Now or forever, hold your peace. All right, let's get star ratings. It's a five banger for me. I'm at a five as well. <laughs> wow. Paris? Okay. Um, I'm at a three and a half. But honestly, <laughs> after our conversation, I I'm not going to change it right now. But I I'm going to definitely take a second look, maybe rewatch before end of year. It definitely won't get up to a five, so it's not going to be on my top ten, but it could go up on my list for sure. Never say never. I feel like the rewatch could be huge. It does deserve could a second look. Yeah, that's how Travis, I think you said, honestly, that's how you started, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think like I, I hearing y'all talk about it, I'm I was more excited and engaged hearing you talk about it than I was during the movie. And I was like, maybe it just didn't catch me. I also knew exactly what it was going to be about. So the whole beginning, I'm kind of like maybe a little checked out because it's just setting up the story that I already know is coming. 
So I think like maybe thinking of it in a different context and thinking of it almost like a Hallmark movie, but like sort of playing with like a meta, almost satirical version of that. Jesus. Did I say Hallmark again? (laughs) I really tried this time, you guys. I was like, okay, say the right one, you dumb fuck. Okay. Um, (laughs) Lifetime movie. Yeah, but I think coming in with a different context might bump it up for me. Hearing you guys talk about it might bump it up for me. Definitely will be rewatching. I just, I still found like the music cues like to be grating after a while. And I still found some of the choices to be a bit absurdist in not a good way. So like, we'll see if that changes on a rewatch, but I would be surprised if it went up from a three and a half to a five. Sure. Okay. Well, that is it for general impressions. We're going to move into a spoiler discussion. So check the show notes if you have not yet seen the film. Um, Paris, I will let you lead this part of the discussion. You're just dying to talk about this ending. So why don't you set the set the stage for us? How do you want to frame this uh, conversation? Well, so I would like to start with the moment that when I first watched it didn't really hit for me. And that is sort of this climactic moment of post-graduation where Gracie reveals that she talks to her son Georgie every day, that she knows exactly what he was saying to Natalie Portman's character. And Natalie Portman has this like, ooh, what? kind of moment. And when I was watching it, I was like, so? Like, she's, she's taken aback like she just learned who fucking Kaiser Sose was. But <laughs> after sitting on it for a while and maybe reading some articles that were written about it, I think I more understand that, like, that wasn't just a moment that revealed that Gracie is closer with her adult children than maybe Elizabeth Natalie Portman's character was led to believe, but also that that everything that Natalie Portman's character has been hearing about Gracie and about their relationship could possibly be untrue. Like everything, every single, like even the stuff that we thought for sure was accurate, even like the letter, like every, we, we, we then, then that comes, calls into question every single thing we've seen in the whole movie. Yes, 100%. But even like to dig into that even further, I think part of the reason why she has such a strong reaction to it is because that was like the key that unlocked Gracie for her, like when she, that information is revealed to her, I think she literally says like, that makes so much sense. So she felt like she had like arrived at the heart of it, like the truth of it, like, ah, that explains why she has this like fucked up relationship with this kid. And then to come and find out that like, that wasn't even true. Yes. She did like question, I think all of, all the research that he had done, she had done what she thought she knew about this person, but she like, that was like her as an artist. Like that was what she had latched onto as far as what she felt the truth to be, because I think she thought that that was like, that was her thing. Like as an actress, that was the thing that she was going to use to fuel her performance. Well, it, because there's no, there's no why like if if she wasn't abused by her brothers 
why why was she a child rapist why and that why is never answered and Mm -hmm. she's when when i think she's trying to quote find the truth which is like a a silly woo woo actor way of saying like what is the motivation what is my character's Mm -hmm. motivation and given that this was a real person in context you're like why did they do the things that they do why did they literally rape a child why did they blow up their whole fucking life to do so why and how have they convinced themselves that it was okay like and you go and she has an easy answer given to her by the son by georgie go oh she was raped repeatedly starting at the age of 12 by her brothers easy great she was advanced so she's stuck uh you know developmentally at that moment she thinks child rape is okay she has a fucked up view of sexuality she's only mm-hmm. had sex with her brothers and that one her husband like like it immediately explains everything in a logical rational way and i feel like when that's taken away it's like no this is just an evil person who's okay with doing evil there may not be a why there may not be a explanation like when she talks about like with the theater group of she's like i want to dig into the why people do the things they do and she never gets mm-hmm. that resolve i feel like that's yeah. why i'm literally talking myself into a higher star rating they this make a why. point <laughs> where they're like why would you want to like portray a bad person or whatever and she's like basically like because it's more interesting they're more complex and it's kind of commenting on like the artist there and like what the purpose or intention is with doing a project like this yeah but i also do think that there is a more like selfish angle in that i think she feels like actors are like rewarded more for portraying those kinds of characters like she tries to intellectualize why she's drawn to the part but i do think there's an element of like she is not happy in her career and she's looking like she's treating this project as like, this is going to get her, her Oscar or like there's an element of like, she's just kind of bullshitting and saying what people think she should say, as opposed to like her true motivation. There's also an element of celebrity too, where like to your point, you know, like she's on a TV show that, Sounds like does pretty well for itself, but it's not really like a role that is going to be like garnered for attention. And then also like the way the one of the kids and their friends reacts to her when she's at the house, you know, like we're kind of fascinated with the like celebrity of it all, even if it's like not really worthy. Yeah. Well, there's, I mean, that's kind of how that scene at the school plays out where like the kids at first are like laughing and they're like kind of making fun of her. And then she gives these answers and they're like, oh, yeah, you know, and I think that totally went to her head. Like, I think there's the ego is definitely a big part of like how Natalie Portman is portraying that character in this movie. But going back to the end, so like that scene that you just referenced, Paris, happens. And then the very next scene is the movie that she's making. And it's so bad. Like, (laughs) and she is so bad in it. Like, honestly, that's why I think this might be her best role. Cause like she goes, 
like what 20 minutes maybe earlier in the movie we see her give this like uncut incredible monologue where she's like reciting the letter that joe gave her into Mm -hmm. the mirror and it's just like she's she is acting the fuck out of that scene it's incredible and then she has everything taken away from her and we actually see like what this movie is and it kind of feels like it's not that different from the fucking the lifetime shitty tv movie that we already saw her like studying (laughs) and she just like her like wanting to do another take and like feeling like she's she's really getting into it and every take is like you know it's shitty every take is shitty yeah it feels more the same (laughs) yeah and she maybe she feels like she's like getting into it but it's just her trying to make it she's trying to like amp herself up because she just feels so she's just so lost in what she was doing or maybe she does think she's in it like she's she's doing something i feel like maybe that's actually what it what it is getting as is she feels like she has like got it and we're just like this sucks and the director's like yeah no we're we're good we (laughs) we can move on to the next scene you know i also love the subversion of the whole time you feel like she's doing all this research the director is is italian you think i i don't know the imp- and it's like an indie film like you feel like the whole time the movie that she's going to be making is this prestige elevated film and i loved that at the end you just see that terrible scene happening over and over and it's no different than that bad made for tv movie like it's still shitty and it's still base and it's still just base in sexuality and like how she almost like had to lower herself to like do the research like when she's talking about the kids and she said they need to be sexier oh like and you get at the end and you see like yup and and i feel like also there's a gross acknowledgement from the audience where you see the teen at the end and you go well he's definitely sexier than those other kids like it sort of puts you in this gross place and like i don't know i i honestly I'm literally talking myself into a higher star oh, rating again. And there's the also ending fucking rules. There's an element of Julianne Moore's character where she feels like um, she wants Natalie Portman's character to to do this because it'll like paint her in a better light. And so it's like all in service to like you know for for her to like be put in a better light. But like in the end, it doesn't really do anything. If anything, it just like brings the issues of the family more to light by like bringing her into this equation. Right. You're basically just bringing it back into the limelight and making everybody remember, like re re sensationalize the story that they had already tried to put in their past. And, but from their perspective, they think that they're going to like make people understand. And what's so brilliant about that scene that you just mentioned Paris, where she's like, the the movie understands that like that is a really fucked up instinct that she is having but it's also like one of the best laughs of the movie because she makes that comment about how yeah i watched the videos and like they're cute and all but like they're not sexy enough like he just has <laughs> he has that certain je ne sais quoi about him and then there's a pause and then the director goes I think you, you need, need to come to home. Come home. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which, so, okay, this was a part that I didn't like that we haven't discussed yet is the fact that, so, 
she's clearly having doubts about her fiance, who's probably also famous based on conversations earlier. She's clearly sleeping with the director who also has a wife. Then when she sleeps with, um, homeboy, she sleeps with, yeah, our homeboy (laughs) character. No, I don't, I didn't like saying that with our main male (laughs) protagonist. Um, and, and he's like, let's get in bed immediately. I was like, Oh, that's a weird thing to say. And then he's so put off and she goes, this is what adults do. And I was like, okay, I have two big thoughts on this. One, that's not what adults do. That is what you do. Clearly you're okay with cheating on people and with being the other person in a cheating scenario, right? Like clearly that's what you do and that's the norm for you. But like to say that's what adults do is so interesting because the whole movie is telling you that this guy had his childhood or it's trying to tell you. I don't necessarily feel like it did a great job at this, but it's trying to say like he had his childhood stolen. He had to grow up too fast. So therefore he's neither able to be a child nor an adult. Really? He's sort of just playing house. And so when she says that's what adults do, it feels like it should have more impact. But I kind of didn't like it because I was like, that's not what like fully functional, healthy adults do. That's what you do because you're kind of fucked up. I felt like that diminished from his story, if that makes sense. If anything, I think that crystallizes his story and it's because of his... Like, the way that that scene plays out for him, it's almost like he's, like, put back in that same situation that he was in when he was a kid. Because there is a woman coming on to him that he think likes him. And, you know, they they have sex and it lasts, like, five seconds. And then he's like, let's get into bed. It's like, what? Big it's what oof. a teenage it's what a teenager yeah, it's like he doesn't know any better yeah yeah i immediately like the, was like oh wow because he didn't that... have a sex life i mean it went from not having sex to being oh, with this God. person wait and so but they do make a comment about him having more yes. partners than when, her yeah oh when she says that when she goes you know he has had sex with more people than i have and i was like one what the fuck (laughs) like that's not i was so So this is okay (laughs) right so i was curious if y'all read that that could be read in two ways that could be read as her being manipulative and it's the same like you came on to me who was the boss like that kind of manipulation it also could be her like fucked up way of thinking in that like she was a virgin when she met her husband she had only slept with him and that like he was experienced so therefore it's okay that i raped him because like like does she actually believe that or is she using manipulative tactics again well i think it's both yeah i feel like she's fucked up and you know has obviously done fucked up things but then there's also things from her past that make you feel for her a bit but regardless of how you is feel there? but no regardless she's always going to be a shitty person because of what she's done and i mean what what she's been doing but i mean she does have a bit of like a darker troubled past 
but maybe she doesn't. That's the thing with the end is like, you sort of find out that like, was, was, do you two think what the son Georgie was saying about her being raped by her brothers? Do you think that was true? Do you think that was false? Do you think it doesn't matter? I don't think it really matters. It's, I mean, it's really hard to say what her motivations were, but I mean, that's, I think that's also just part of the character where she feels like she didn't necessarily do anything wrong for reasons X, Y, and Z. I mean, like, you know, when you're guilty of something, you will, you can say whatever you want to try and rationalize it. I also think that it's, it's intentionally ambiguous. And that is the point of the movie is that you can't, no matter how hard you try, no matter how much research you do, no matter how long you've been with the person, you can't, no one can ever truly know somebody to their core, f- to a certainty. And I think that the moral ambiguity of it is intentional in that it doesn't matter whether she was raped by her brothers when she was a kid or, and, and she's lying about it to Julian or uh, to Natalie Portman's character or, her son is also just, you know, cut from the same cloth and he's manipulative and trying to get himself a job. I mean, we do know he's manipulative because he's, he's trying to like extort a job out of Natalie Portman basically. So, but, but I think you're not supposed to know. And I think that's, that's intentional because a different movie would make it explicit. And then, but then you're just, it's just telling you what to think. And I think the movie wants you to examine that. It wants you to ask these questions. It wants you to be like, okay, well, if she if she was raped, that makes me, you know, does that make me feel differently about her? I think no, the movie I wants the you to think is, that way, but... No, 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 no. I don't think it makes you feel differently about her. I think it affects how Natalie Portman's character feels about her grip on the situation. Well, I mean, it, it is that. I more so just mean like if the movie you think we're supposed to have empathy for a child rapist period like you think because of whatever something from her past that the movie wants us to have empathy for her no not empathy I mean rationalize what she did I mean I think you're the one who said like if that is the case like you can make sense of it in your head I meant in for Natalie Portman right but also not the for audience. us as I a mean, viewer. I'm, I'm not saying it condones her actions, but it does. Like, if that were true, explain them. Well, explain. I see, get, this I, is this is the part of true crime where I actually take a lot of issue with, and part of why I don't really follow true crime anymore is like you can say a million things about the background of why a really evil person will do really evil things. And maybe you think, well, are they really evil because they had this terrible childhood? And it's like, yes, because just because you have a terrible childhood doesn't mean it's okay to murder or rape people or children. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think that... I If the movie wants us to think differently about our literal child rapist because of what she may or may not have gone through in our in her past i don't think that actually makes me think less of the movie 
I think my interpretation I'm... was that the the that we're supposed to feel that from Natalie Portman's character where she's like, yes, I finally have an understanding of where this, why this character might do what they do and I can get in their head. And with the ambiguity, with that leftover bit of just like, sometimes people are just evil and they do evil things to me is what shakes her so badly to her core and makes it so hard for her to perform in the final scene. I think that's the other side of what you're talking about. Like, I think people are evil and they do evil things is the opposite of she did this because she was raped. And like, you know, there's like the rational side of it. And then there's that man, people just be evil in, you know, like, I think the movie is intentionally like, I think that's the more rational side of it. It's so interesting that you use rational to describe the other one because I think the more rational side is to say that sometimes there's not an explanation for things that people do. Like sometimes people do good people do bad things, bad people do good things. Sometimes people do things that have no explanation in my mind. That is the most rational way of looking at that. Right. But what, but what I'm saying is that, that those are two opposite ends of a spectrum. And I think, I don't think it's that simple. I think that absolves you. Like, I think that's the easiest angle to take because it's how we can sleep at night. So th- these evil things just happen, but that's putting like, uh, like evil as like some sort of like you know it's almost playing into like religious tropes of like it's like evil is like i mean, I know this isn't what you're saying but it's like evil is just like the devil is out there doing the devil's work and you can't stop it no evil i disagree because that that rationalizes it in a different sense one is using psychology to rationalize it like oh this happened in their past therefore they're going to act out in this way one is using god to rationalize it like well, the devil is here, so they're going to act out in this way. The other is almost like an absurdist view on the world where it's like sometimes there is no rational explanation. Sometimes there is no logic behind it. And th- people just be evil. Yes. I did. I strongly disagree that that has any religious backing. I think that's more on the other side of that spectrum. Well, okay. So what I'm saying is that whatever your stance is between those two, if you take a stance, you were saying, I know this. What I am saying is that you don't know this. And I think that is what the movie is saying is that it's not as simple as evil just exists in the world, or it's as simple as there was a chain of events and she was raped and there was this. Like I'm, what I'm saying is that it's not that neat. And regardless of which stance that you take, if you take one of those two stances, there is an arrogance to it because you're saying that you know something. I think it's a psychological trick right. that we play on. No, that's sorry. That's what ourselves. I was trying to. Sorry, that's what I was trying to say. Is that like at the end, Natalie Portman realizes that she doesn't understand because there is no truth for her to find because she will never know that because the only truth can ever be known by the person that took those actions. I think that's what the movie is saying. I think yeah. Natalie Portman more so is just like, if we're putting ourselves in like uh, in her character's perspective, 
I think she just like doesn't know what to fucking think at that point. And I think the movie is saying I'm like, going to be honest, y'all. Someone, but. I'm going to be honest with you right now. I'm pretty, I'm pretty drunk right now. So Liddy is a titty. I kind of, I kind of forgot like what we were like. What was the point of what we were talking about? <laughs> I forgot like we're ten minutes talking. ago. Yeah, like I noticed that Travis stopped talking, and I was like, oh, I feel like we've gone too far. <laughs> and then, like honestly. Okay, little peek behind the curtain. Love arguing with Matt. It's my favorite pastime. One of my favorite things about being besties with this dumb fuck. But <laughs> but I'm going to be honest. I, I've fully lost the plot, both with this movie and Thank with God. this conversation. So I feel like maybe we should. <laughs> yeah, I, get me out of here. I oh think, I think oh, at least for me, I got to wrap it up. I have to piss more than anything. Just to let everyone. Oh, I know. I've already left to go pee and then came back. <laughs> Mid conversation. <laughs> I mean, you didn't lose a beat there. <laughs> here's the thing. Here's the thing. It was before I got on this track. Okay. So, listeners, listeners, this is going to be a fun exercise. Try to figure out when I went to go pee. It was a long pee, so that is you fun. do the math. <laughs> Hell yeah. Okay. Well, are you guys done? <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't even remember what. Are you ready to shut up got, about got the trenches? There. This banger of a movie. Yeah, it's harder know, when I, I can't see the time, dude. Like when I when I can't see how long. We're eighty five minutes. You can, but you can see the literal time on the clock and do math. Like, what are you, some no, kind of fucking idiot? Math. Like, are you yeah, actually an idiot, Matt? Like, think about what time we there, sat down. There's so many layers to this movie, though. And Paris, I guarantee, if you give it another shake, you will like it more than you did the first time that's a fact i can almost guarantee that after this conversation and upon a rewatch it would go up yeah that's a fact we gotta edit that star she hasn't posted the star rating yet so we'll have to we'll have to check uh i posted it it was posted at three and a half i just removed it for a second when you said it yeah so y'all wouldn't see it but We'll get that. We'll we didn't that. even talk about the the butterfly metapod metaphors. Any of that jazz? Metapod. <laughs> the metapod. <laughs> 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 Bro, when he released what? the butterfree into the wild, dude. Oh my god, that was beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> Matt knows. Matt knows. Yeah. <laughs> All right. No, I I know that's been like a whole thing, but I don't I don't find that conversation that interesting. I like the butterfly thing. I don't think more needs well, to be said. No, Unless you I, hated the butterfly thing, but loved it. No, I mean it's it's obvious, but I feel like it's <laughs> intentional. We're watching a melodrama. Come on, it's yeah. And, I wasn't even. It, it does add to some of his character as well. I mean, it's yeah, it's it's good shit. A little on the nose, but yeah, but the whole movie's kind of on the nose. Yeah, it, literally, it this movie, this awesome. movie rests yeah, at the yeah, tippy tip of someone's nose. Wow. <laughs> like, only because I'm fucking going down on it, dog. That's oh why my god! <laughs> 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 Got him. Um, all right. I just Are blew out here? both. I saw red in both of our fucking speakers. I'm so sorry to all the listeners. Matt, you might want to cut that sorry. out. I literally, no, honestly, Matt, you might want to cut that out. I literally screamed into no, the microphone. Good. We'll see. What I think it, it, it cuts it, out at a certain decibel. It just, yeah, but here's it the thing: it. it blew red in my <laughs> mic. Decibel. It also, I watched it blow red in 
Travis in your fucking in my mat mic. Yeah, in your mat mic. So I'm like, oof. I feel like that might be okay. I have to cut a rug. So <laughs> let's go ahead and uh, end the review. I hope that was a fun listen. Uh, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be back to talk about what else we've been watching. All right, we are back. Let's get into what else we've been watching. Um, Travis, do you want to talk about Thanksgiving briefly? We both saw it. Sure. Go for it. Um, I loved it. Uh, I can confidently say it is the best Eli Roth movie. Uh, mm-hmm. The bar is extremely low, <laughs> extremely low. Well, I did talk I mean, about this a bit on our Saltburn episode about Eli Roth or no low about bars or well what? Eli Roth, but you know more so Thanksgiving. Uh, about you recall, just like yeah, as a concept or no, just in general. I mean, as a slasher. Well, Matt, oh, you, you already talked about the movie. Yeah, on the last hmm. episode. Now, Matt, then shut up. No, I, I didn't talk about Thanksgiving. No, Matt didn't. No, I know. I know. But like, okay, then Travis already talked about it. So who cares? He he didn't. I, I did mean, A little bit. You're like general. I mean, I did say I, I, I borderline loved it. And um, I, I mean, I talked about it a bit. The inciting incident, some of the kills, Eli, direct, Eli Roth as a director in general. But yeah, I mean, yeah. go go for it, Matt. Spill, spill the beans. I think you know, I think we're pretty much on the same page. It's like not it's not going to make my top ten, but like it. It could make mine. Every, no, no, no cap. Yeah, that that no week cap. of year for you, huh? <laughs> really? <laughs> it's. If I the, mean, it is really if, good. If I were to publish my list today, yes, it's currently it in my there. top ten. Wow. Okay, Travis, yeah. I have a question for you that's not for Matt. If <laughs> Matt, I watch it. <laughs> yeah, Matt, shut up. <laughs> no, but uh, Travis, if I watch this, will it make it into my top ten? Um, probably not. But I do think you would like it a lot. If you're a fan of the genre, then you should be a fan of this movie. Is it better than Pilgrim? Oh, big time. Way better. Way better. Okay, because it kind of was giving me Pilgrim vibes. And so I've been hesitant to watch it. And also, apparently, we have thoughts and feelings about the studio that did it because they shit on someone who was doing Scream for having an opinion about the Palestine-Israel conflict. I don't know. Matt would probably know more about that because he's chronically oh, online. Let's not get but... into it, please. <laughs> I'm conflicted. <laughs> uh, I know what you're referencing, Paris. Um, I was uh, told by someone else that they weren't going to go see it because of that, and I was like, "Well, I'm still probably going to see it." But and I figure if Matt's seen it and he's like again chronically online, that it's probably fine for me to go see. It. Yeah, I mean uh, that that whole like I don't know performative boycott thing is just like it doesn't move the needle and i think okay it's just to make people fun feel fact better about themselves but. the person who said that was also the person who stood me up or not stood me up but ghosted me so you know Fuck oh, i hate this person already don't even listen to <laughs> <him>. <laughs> yeah we hate i them, was on the so. fence earlier but after this news <laughs> 
You were on the fence? I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I wasn't convinced that this guy did anything wrong, but as soon as you told me that he was boycotting Thanksgiving over Palestine, dude, <laughs> fuck that guy. Exactly. Um, no, I guess, are they even the same? Oh, I know. It's like, um, not Searchlight. It's... Yeah, the same production company who did the Scream movies. Anyway, Paris, I think you would really like this movie, and it does actually have a lot of similarities to Scream, and that I think this movie is kind oh. of channeling that, like, it's channeling that, like, 90s slasher vibe of, like, there's a cast of characters, you know, one of them is the killer, but you don't know who as the movie goes on, you know, there's like little tidbits of information and people are getting killed off and it's like very reminiscent of like, I know what you did last summer, you know, the Scream franchise, like very much of that ilk, but it's, it's funny, it's self-aware, the kills are awesome. Um, Love the, that. The cast is fine, you know, it's not like... It's not screen. It's not the scream cast, but like I, I generally liked the people in the movie. It looks good. Um, yeah, I mean, I agree with Travis. I feel like there's really not much more I could have asked for. Um, it's not like perfect by any means. It's not like an all-time favorite or anything like that. But it's you know way better than I would have expected from a fucking Eli Roth movie. That's but for sure. an entry into the slasher genre, it's yeah, you can't ask for much more. I feel like. Especially these yeah, guys. Honestly, it's got all the I'm elements. shocked because Matt has gone on record by being not just not liking Eli Roth, but anti Eli Roth. Oh, yeah. So the fact yeah. that he has not just positive things to say, but like like glowing, pretty, pretty glowing review, like that's that's enough to make me watch it hands down. It does have a bit of uh, My Bloody Valentine vibes to it as well. Which y'all know I loved. I think you would really like it, Paris. I think you should. Um, I don't know if it's still playing or not up where you guys are or down where you guys are, but um, it's good. I, I can't see you hating it. I don't know if you'll like love it, but I think the, f the floor, I can confidently say I think the floor for you was like three stars. I think you're probably going to be in the I was going to say four. Me and Travis the floor is four. The four floor, damn, dude. that's that's a high floor. I mean, there's really not many places to go from there. I would say three. Like, I can't see you hating this movie. Is what I'm getting at. So, um, but it's good. I like Thanksgiving. So you know, check her out. Um, if I may, uh, before Travis, before you go, if I may, uh, say that I Paris would love to talk about. Uh, please don't destroy the treasure of Foggy Mountain. Uh, briefly, uh -huh. if you'll if you'll entertain <laughs> me. Do <laughs> you know what this is, Travis? No. Uh, Paris, I think went to go take a dump or something because uh, I don't. I, don't, I, don't, I, don't <laughs> I did. Now that uh, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm now that we've exposed time. now that we've exposed her superpower. <laughs> I should have never. I should have never said that. Sometimes I'm just quiet because I'm not fucking talking. Uh, She's on the toilet right now for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. Oh, okay. I'm so wired in, you guys. Like my laptop has to be plugged into fucking function. Okay? okay, Matt. Really quick. So didn't realize it was the subtitle you were referring to. I've seen this poster on Letterbox, but yeah, I have no idea what it is, where it came from, why it came to be. Uh, I think that. 
people are mixed on it though doesn't okay it? let me fucking talk about this movie because oh, okay. i wasn't well, gonna say nervous. anything but like <laughs> i wasn't matt was talking i was like i don't have anything to say i don't have a ton to say other than i can tell you where it's from so please don't destroy is the oh god matt saturday night live uh no 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 like... island oh lonely, lonely island, island? Yes. So Please Don't Destroy is the lonely island of this era of Saturday Night Live. Ah, okay. In that there are three guys, they're writers on SNL. They, as of, I think, last season or maybe the season before, make movies, or not movies, little video skits. They're in every episode and almost always they have the host in them. They're really, really, really funny. I saw them first on TikTok, but it was just these clips from SNL. And again, they started out as writers. And this movie is so stupid. (laughs) So you've seen it as well? Yes, I did watch it and I gave it four and a half stars. So you you loved it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's stupid. So, oh yeah, no, I mean, like it's stupid in the way. So you know how Matt loves like, like not hot fuzz um hot rod hot rod hot rod hot rod Rod and like matt and i love pop star never stop stopping and like those other lonely you're not included in the the hot rod camp no i fucking hate hot rod i think it's garbage really um i'm in the yeah i don't know if matt has ever heard me say that we might have to stop being friends now i don't don't think you know what you're stepping in bud but i'll let you that's what i'm saying That's what I'm saying. No, I do know. I literally said I don't know if we can be friends. She's after stepping this. into some hot dog. If you know I, I mean. knew what I'm saying, <laughs> and I knew as soon as I said it that we would have to have a long and deep conversation about our friendship. But, <laughs> but here's the thing: this movie is like in that same vein of like stupid, funny, just like joke, 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 joke. And honestly, you guys, I fucking loved it. It's so dumb and so funny and, like, so aggressive. And every time I think I'm not going to like their humor because I'm like, oh, this these fucking guys again. And I don't know why I think that because every single time I see one of their sketches, one of their videos, see this movie, I'm like, this fucking rules. It's so funny and so dumb. So real quick, Paris, about 10% yeah. of the people I follow on Letterboxd have seen this, and you were the only one to give it as high of a score that you did. Um, you were sure, yeah. at least one star higher than everyone else that I follow who's seen this. So Matt, take it away. What did you think about Please Don't Destroy the <laughs> Treasure of Foggy Mountain? <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay, so as a comedy, the joke, you know, the joke per minute rate is like a lot. It's going, it's taking a lot of swings. Mm -hmm. I would say Hot Rod's batting average is like 0.8, like 80%, which is huge. By 80%, you mean 80%? You mean he's bat, yeah, I mean, Hot Rod's batting 800. If we're talking Hall of Fame, if we're talking if we're baseball, bad. if we're talking bad, bad yeah, 800. No, okay. no, 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 no. Whatever the reverse of that is, maybe 200. 
That's what Hot Rod is batting. Please don't destroy is batting uh like two fifty oh five. No, less than <laughs> oh. that. Oh, I so think this movie you gave it a is, two and a half. That's definitely yeah. better than a point oh five. Because literally, Conan O'Brien is an idol of mine. I love Conan O'Brien. I think he's great in this movie. I think Meg Stalter is really funny in this movie as like the park ranger. So I two people are throwing heat in this movie. Two people. We got to keep it to ball. No. One star. No, we got to keep no, it to ball. Talk. No. The rest of everyone is throwing heat. We've got banger in the fucking. We've got a banger on second. We got a banger on pitcher. What did we I got a banger and catcher. We got people, and you might think, okay, that's the opposite team running the field. No, we got another awesome people. We got a Cy Young field. pitcher <laughs> yeah. at the bag. We got. Uh, you know what? I'm gonna be honest. A gold with you. Glover at third. I don't know who that is, and I don't know what that means. But based on your tone. I think that's accurate. <laughs> I just, I re- it really didn't work for me. Like, I thought these guys were funny before they joined SNL, and everything I've seen them produce from SNL Damn. has been like unfunny. A little... Much like SNL. I think SNL has one good skit a year and has for literally its whole existence. Matt, are you going down SNL... the, the route of I knew them first or no? Well, I mean, I wasn't <laughs> doing that intentionally, but I did. Okay, you know. jack off hands in your general direction, you fucking old ass, overtired hipster. Ooh, I don't this was get three years you. ago. Are you? I mental? don't get you comedy. I'm a grandpa. Shut up. God. This is very much in the Lonely Island like vein of humor, and it's just like. They're, they're not even playing in the same league. Like, I I don't know what you're smoking, Paris, but this movie I did not find funny. I chuckled a couple times, but overall I found it to be unfunny. We got a one-star bump. You could have just said no, Matt. You know, you could have just said no. Okay, I will say, I will say as an as a, an aside to that, this does not seem like the type of movie I like. Like absurdist, dumb comedy isn't generally my vibe. Yeah, but you and gave truly, it four point five, and that's what I'm saying. So I was surprised at how much I laughed at every fucking joke. I found. All it, it gave me not so much like it is Lonely Island like they are doing that, but it all it actually gave me the vibes of workaholics where it's just like chaos is happening, but everything is interlinked. There's a lot of improv, but it's it's so it's three extremely funny people just being funny and then making a story out of that. You know what I mean? All I right, know Matt. what you mean. I just wish. I wish I agreed. What do you think, Matt? Never been exposed to these creatures before. We're in cram jam. <laughs> creatures. <laughs> um, I think you know the answer, Travis. Okay. I, you know. I mean, here's yeah. the thing. I'm not gonna say. I'm not gonna say watch it for cram jam because I would be shocked if it made it to your top ten. So, like at this point, it doesn't matter. But if you're in a, I just want to watch a funny, silly movie, I would if definitely tr- recommend it. If I'm it. trying to find an ounce of sanity, if you're watching, if you're watching father. with like a group <laughs> where you're like, if you're with a group or like something where you like don't want to pay attention to all the time, this would be great. I see your please don't destroy the treasure of Foggy Mountain, and I raise you the package. 
from two years ago. <laughs> if you're gonna watch a movie where you can, laugh I and knew you were off, gonna say that, and honestly, I haven't out. seen it, but it looks stupid. So, oh, man, like, I did I don't watch know. that movie. <laughs> yeah. What did you give it? <laughs> Three stars. Exactly. Huge. That was uh, I, based on your recommendation. Um, I, you know, I, I understand that that movie is not, you know, great, but that movie made me laugh a lot. This movie did not make me laugh, and I'm not like a comedy snob. You guys know this. Like, yeah, I like all sorts of comedy. Whatever movies. the opposite of that is. This one, I'm a comedy hog. You know, I just like eat it all up, and I love comedy. And this one, just um, you're a dumb comedy hog. That is for sure. Yeah, that's true. Kung Pao, Enter the Fist, the Lonely Island stuff. I think you should leave. Scary I mean, Movie Three. Else. Scary, the best of the scary yeah. movies. Are um, you a fan of Steve Brule? Um, yeah, I think I think Tim and Eric are funny. Steve Brule is funny. They have their moments. That's, that's not really. Yeah, yeah. It's that's not really my my baby though. Anyway, I don't really have. You're, much not, gonna go, about that. Enough, You're not going to go to bat just, for that one to keep it no, to the ball talk. <laughs> Yeah. So interestingly <laughs> enough, I am exactly right in the same ballpark as Matt. Yeah, when it comes to C. ballpark. Yeah, I got you, Travis. Yeah. Uh, when it comes to C. Brule and Tim and Eric. Exactly whatever he said. Yep. All right. Only baseball uh, metaphors from <laughs> here on out. Um, Travis, you're up to bat, bud. What uh, What did you take a swing at? Holy Cram Jam? shit. What's no! <laughs> <laughs> so i i rewatched bull durham and watched eight men out for the first time <laughs> to keep it to ball talk is this a bit or did you actually watch those? it movies? is not a bit unfortunately are you fucking kidding me what are you doing dude i saw that you rewatched um Vampire's Kiss? What are you doing I watching Bull Durham and Vampire's Kiss when we're in Cram Jam? Like, what are you doing? Matt, don't worry about it. It's an underground project. Just Oh my god. We'll worry about that later. Travis, if you tell me that you're watching Nicolas Cage's films in chronological <laughs> no. order without me, no. I will scream. That's not what I'm secretly saying. I will scream. <laughs> But yeah, to your point, Matt, the rewatches have been huge. <laughs> uh, Bull Durham, actually. Okay, so I watched this a few years ago and honestly didn't think much of it. was like, why the fuck was this inducted into the Criterion Collection? I still kind of have that feeling now, but less of it. I uh, wasn't prepared to talk about either of these movies, but um, you so don't have. I mean, you didn't have to keep the ball going Travis. since we're on ball talk. Travis, oh you don't have to. <laughs> we could just end it right here. We can all I, go home. I can will have say, a baby. Bull Durham is pretty great, and Eight Men Out is pretty average. I mean, it's about what you would expect if you know anything about that story. I don't, and I don't really care to. So. Yeah, I mean, it touches Glad on it was fine. a couple, you know, issues that have somewhat been addressed since then. But also, it's one of those movies where it's like more relevant now than ever. I mean, that's kind of just the the way it goes these days, where we haven't learned anything in a hundred plus years as a society. But that's uh, another podcast. <laughs> <laughs> 
but Bull Durham is is great. I will say it's it's a fun kind of like hangout movie. Got some good baseball stuff going on. Touches on um, you know like the whole like hot shot versus old timer aspect of of the game and and life itself. And um, Susan Sarandon didn't think much of her in my past, but um, after seeing the hunger in this again. Things are looking up for <laughs> me and the Sarandon. You're going to be a Saran stan? Yeah. It's it's pointing that way. I mean, let's get a couple rewatches in. <laughs> but I'm in. I am in. Previously out, but currently in. Currently in. Hell yeah. All right. Well, what else? I'm sure you got plenty. I've got a handful of things I'm going to talk about, but. I know that was uh, off, off script. What you just did, but I had to. I mean, (laughs) when the when the ground ball comes your way, commit to the bit, baby. Make a play. (laughs) Paris. Paris loves ball talk. This is exclusively a ball talk podcast. Moving forward. We're talking balls. Um, can I just state for the record that Paris does not love ball talk. Paris does not love balls. Paris, in fact, wishes all balls would just disappear from the world. Both foot, human, and other. All right. Duly noted. Travis. What's going on? <clears throat> What? Let's a fucking end. What do we? What do you mean? What's going on? We're done. I'm assuming he's no. Uh, with t- with what we've been watching, oh, we're talking about what we've been watching. Paris, God, <laughs> and I didn't to the get show. to go. Matt just said Matt <laughs> just said Paris, and then I made a joke about ball talk, and they moved on to you. Like, if I'm not getting to talk, what? then we gotta end the fucking show, dude. Like, <laughs> I'm so over it. <laughs> we're taking turns. You've been here before. What are you talking about? Travis just wins. Uh, no, I know. Well, the floor uh, yeah, is yours, but... Paris. Yeah, so I made a joke, and then he went back to you. Well, because I had already gone back to him. You know what? It doesn't matter. Paris, I would love to hear what you've been watching. Jesus Christ. Just make sure to keep the ball talk at an all-time high. <laughs> okay, so the ball's in my court now. We're going tennis. Oh, no. Um, oh, no. <laughs> A sport I understand better than baseball. <laughs> um, <laughs> but to be honest, I don't understand either sport, so that's kind of a not much to say much. Um, I will talk about something that I don't believe that we have talked about or will probably talk about, and that is Godzilla minus one. Mm. Saw that uh, a few days ago, and I would like to say that I would definitely recommend everyone watching it. Not people who like Godzilla movies, not people who like action, not people who like drama. Like, I would recommend everyone to watch this because I think that it is a very interesting movie, and also it is a really good Godzilla movie. It is the second of the modern Japanese Godzilla movies, the first of which, of course, being the stick by which all other Godzilla movies are measured, and that's Shin Godzilla from like five or six years ago. Um, so, would you I, say this is the Fielder's Choice of Godzilla movies? I don't know what Fielder's <laughs> Choice is, but I'm gonna to keep the ball talk going. I'm gonna say yes because I believe that is a baseball reference. Um, 
in the same vein as a league no not a league of their own angels in the outfield <laughs> yeah <laughs> i would say that this movie is good not great it's gonna be a big hit with dads because it takes place in japan right after world war ii and i'm also gonna say i think it has diminishing returns just like angels in the outfield because i will say while i think it was a pretty top-notch movie not perfect by any means because there were definitely some cliches and some plot holes where it was like, why did that happen? Because the script said so. But I will say... Was it was it intentional, you think? Was it part of the mm, bit? I don't believe so, but it didn't take away enough that I will say, because it's not going to be on my top ten this year, that I gave it four and a half stars. Um, I do, like so I it said, was a stereotype, I would, but in the best way possible. Not not even a stereotype, just like a light cliche. And maybe even cliche is not the right word. Just some 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 contrivances where I was like, it feels a little too much of a coincidence. You know, where it's like sometimes you're like, that is only there because it moves the plot forward. That that does that wouldn't actually happen in like like that doesn't not that it doesn't make sense, but you guys know what I mean. Like, it's just yeah, just a little too coincidental. Like, things work out just a little too well. And that's really the only thing that I felt, like, took away from it. But honestly, like, so I don't know how familiar you guys are with, like, the concept of Godzilla. But, like, essentially, it's supposed to be a metaphor for, like, the tragedy that the Japanese people had to go through post-World War II, both from their own government, from the uh, bombings of uh, two major cities, from the uh, radioactivity that resulted from those cities and generations beyond that, and uh, from the, the their general um, lack of trust from the world post-World War II. Like, there's just so much wrapped up in it, and Godzilla is supposed to be, like, the Godzilla movies, and why there were so many, is it's, like, a metaphor for that it's literally built from the radioactivity from the world war ii bombings as well as um like the testings on bikini island you know great uh oppenheimer lincoln this movie this this year now is we're huge. talking <laughs> this movie yeah this year is huge for world war ii bombings um <laughs> but honestly like like i would say shin godzilla is the best godzilla movie i would say this is second and i would say all of the american godzilla movies are below that I can't speak for the original Godzilla movies that were made in, like, the 50s and 60s, as I haven't seen them. But I know they're, like, the, you know, the grandfathers of the genre. I also know that they're, like, you know, they're they're done with practical effects in the 50s and 60s. So they're, like, not necessarily, like, the best, whatever, you know. Granddaddy but, perp. Yeah, they're like the granddaddy perp. If we want to, we're we moving on from baseball analogies to weed analogies. And by God, if this isn't just the most testosterone-filled show, Jesus H Christ. Um, but yeah, no, so I, th I, I think would it's say, giving more like basement dweller vibes than anything. <laughs> I mean, you said it. <laughs> That's okay. I'm not a dad for a couple more days. You could be a dad literally right now. That's true. That's true. 
I'm betting on. <laughs> but here's the thing. Here's the thing. And I'll go back to what I said before is like, I would recommend everyone see this movie. And I would especially recommend dad see this movie. It's real good. I'll probably take my dad to see it. That he was... wants to see that and he wants to see Napoleon too. Napoleon is a classic dad movie. My dad, who thinks all movies are great because he's a little a little baby. Um, he saw Napoleon before I did. And we had a lot. He was like, I loved it. And I was like, well, here's all the things that I maybe didn't like about it. And he was like, oh, yeah. Now that you bring that oh, to so my you attention, saw it, that's very true. Yeah. I don't know if you talked about it on the show. I have not. Wasn't trying to segue into it necessarily, but. Um, I will say two things. I will say one, I was excited to see it because I am obsessed with Joaquin Phoenix. I've had a literal crush on him since I was six, eight years old. I I was a child. I was a young child and I was like, Joaquin Phoenix, hottest man I've ever seen. I still What what year did that that put us in? Paint me a picture. Well, that's why I was trying to figure out because it was pre-Gladiator, I'm pretty sure. Gladiator definitely cemented it, and that's when I was eight years old. But it had to have been before that. So I don't know. I'm trying man. to think what he was in prior to that. Maybe I mean, was he was Gladiator, in stuff, but, that feels... but of stuff you saw as a child? Well, I, I watched a lot of things as a child that I maybe shouldn't have. So, you know, who's to say? Hmm. Well, I don't think he um, means like movies you shouldn't necessarily have been watching. I think he means movies that like nobody how the fuck watched. Could a child have watched? Them? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, yeah. seriously, because nobody watched them. You know, it could well, be he Gladiator. In, he could was be... in Parenthood. I don't know if Parenthood he was, a little was, kid, though, in that was movie, huge yeah. for you in that in that uh, era of life. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to look back because I know Gladiator came out in the year two thousand. Okay, I'm looking at his filmography, and it was Parenthood, To Die For, uh, a few movies prior to Gladiator that are not as big as Gladiator. So I'm just like, I'm trying to think where you're. So I'm going to go back to what I'm. So I'm going to go back to what I was saying before, which is, it feels like Gladiator was the first was where I saw him first, but I feel like it was younger than eight. Well, when were you born? He, he, that movie came okay, out in 2000. Okay, okay, okay. So. I said I would... Travis. Let's just do the math together. <laughs> I already said I was gonna. I would be eight. So that, like four times. So you were born in 92 then? Yes. Okay, well, that's... Thanks for telling new, the entire internet my year of birth. Like, they didn't what? get your social security number. It's going to be fine. Okay. One step okay. closer, though, bud. It's going to be fine. Closer. Jesus. It's going to be fine. I already give so much personal information on this podcast. Like, someone's going to come to my fucking front door and be like, are you Paris from fucking... Jesus. Well, you gave out your longitude and latitude coordinates the other podcast when we were talking about Pokemon, so... I did not. I mm-hmm. said the area in which Don't I lived, which is of, but that's what I'm saying. Like I already give out so much information. Let's maybe keep it cool, okay? 
All right, I'm just trying to paint a picture. Uh, to be fair, <laughs> that's not the first time that has come up, I don't think. But anyway, continue. Jesus. Okay. Fucking devil's advocate and his <laughs> butt buddy over here. Like, I'm sorry. I'm trying to be right. better about giving my the internet buddy. my personal information. Joaquin uh, Phoenix is a hunk. Proceed. Yeah, whatever. Anyway, all I was trying to say about Napoleon, which obviously has taken much longer to talk about, um, is that my dad was like, yeah, that was a really good movie. And I was like, eh, I didn't love it. And here's all the reasons why I didn't love it. And as soon as I said something, he was like, oh, yeah, I that was kind of dumb. Or And then I would say another thing and be like, oh, yeah, I hadn't thought about that. And by the end, I was like, you agreed with all of the things I said that were negative. Like, did you like this movie? And he was like, I don't know. So (laughs) I would say it is a dad movie, but it's not necessarily like a good movie. The person I went with is my coworker who's like my work bestie. Um, I don't think she listens, but, you know, shout out Erica. Um, She was a history major in college. And so she really wanted to see it. This was the first movie she had seen since pre-COVID, y'all. First time she'd been to a theater. I shouldn't say movie. First time she'd been to a theater since pre-COVID, and we were so excited to see it. She, We both came out and were like, oh, that wasn't that great. And she, as a history major, was telling me all of the interesting things behind all the things that happened in the movie. And I was like, that's so much more interesting and cinematic than what we actually got, which was just a bunch of events happening in succession. And then, like, 40 minutes of battles. I can't wait to see Ridley's vision. Okay. What, the director's cut? <laughs> director's cut or not. Didn't you, see, you saw this already, didn't you? No, I have not seen it. Oh, I thought you had. Okay. No, no, no. I was, I was mostly making a joke on Paris' experience, but with that said, I'm still excited to see it. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't say I'm excited to see it, but I will, I will see it. Oh, come on. Um, it's got Joaquin. It's got Vanessa Kirby. It's directed by one of our greats. What's not to love? Is he though? I don't. I wouldn't call Ridley one of. So here's the thing. I looked back through his oeuvre, and I'm gonna be honest, y'all. He is all over the place. Oh yeah, he's he's skating on a couple of his early works for sure. Batting like two fifty, two fifty probably. Yeah, I would say he's more of a quantity guy than a quality guy. Unfortunately. But you know, but he is responsible for some <laughs> great home runs. Um, some serious yeah, clinching home runs. So some um, era defining home runs, oh if you will. This, this is very true. <laughs> One of our generational uh, players. Home run hitters. Um, <laughs> So I'm going to cruise through um, what I have just in the interest of time. Um, I'm going to pair the two movies together. It's probably a little unfair of me to do so, but I'm, I'm going to do it anyway. Cruise, um, baby. For Cram Jam. Cruise. I watched uh, uh, A Thousand and One oh, and Matt, Earth Mama. We watched A Thousand and One the same night. After the podcast, we were like, you know what? We need Aww, to continue cute. this train. And I guarantee we watched it the same night. Did we? I didn't even know you had seen it. I must have missed. Uh, Damn. Not that I'm policing. 
letterbox but you need to do a better job um, of that <laughs> clearly <laughs> listen i just live my life i log my movies and i move on oh okay oh, you're doing it wrong. well okay so we can talk about it but i'm just gonna pair these two and do my thing um sure the reason why i'm pairing them together is i i really like both of them um and they are both movies that center black single mothers one of the movies a thousand and one takes place in new york city and earth mama takes place in the bay area but both Damn. was hoping uh, it was involved. florida no no florida <laughs> two single mothers though and both of these movies feature actors the cast is like 90 percent plus black actors and black characters so they're both very much rooted in the black experience and they're both very low budget but they are both very uh interesting and like well done stories about like what it means to live in poverty and how that like affects your life and your relationships with people and moving in and out of precarious living situations and how you fight for your kids and how things are taken away from you so they're they're similar in that regard i will say that if i had to pick one that i preferred a thousand and one is the one that i gave a higher rating to so i gave a thousand and one four and a half stars you're a little high i gave on that one loved it i actually think it well it'll be in the conversation for year end it probably won't make the cut but it's it's one of the better movies i've seen this year earth mama really good but there's an element in a thousand and one that like i'm not going to be more specific than there's a scene that kind of pulls the rug out from under you and i was not expecting it and the way that it deals with like the aftermath of that event um i thought was very interesting and it was messy and real and uh performances in both of the movies are really good i think but a thousand and one i would give the edge to that actress and um yeah they're both worth the watch for cram jam sounds like you've already seen thousand and one yeah i thought a thousand one was good and to echo a conversation we had on a previous episode referring to uh drama for drama's sake I don't know what it is. It might be a personal thing or just where I'm at in my life or in my movie-going experience. But um, sometimes when I'm watching a drama that is just a little too dramatic or just a little too real or close to home, I'm part of me feels like, you know what, maybe I should just like turn this off and go live my own life. Not trying to discredit <laughs> someone else's life or like the struggles that they have and um, you know how you can like empathize or like just see it i'm not trying to like discredit any of that but there is an aspect where it's like 100 percent drama where i'm just like you know what and it, it, i think it has to do with more with movies where i've like seen a version of it before where it's just like okay i've seen this type of movie i get what it's going for it's like very well made like you can praise it however high you want to but there is an aspect for me personally where it's just like maybe I should just go live my own life rather than dedicating two hours to this thing. I get where you're coming from. I would I would disagree with that in many ways in that I think having these viewing experiences like makes for empathetic people. And but if you've seen the thing. Maybe something you've seen before. But yeah, if you've seen it like a dozen times – 
I just feel like the impact is like less meaningful. Again, I'm not that that is a big aspect of why I enjoy watching movies is it kind of like transports me to a different world or makes me like view my world in a different lens or be able to view the world in someone else's lens or a different lens. And like, I love that aspect of watching movies, but and I'm not trying to like single this movie out in particular because there's other movies that are guilty of it. But when I've seen something over and over, and part of that is my fault for being a cinephile, I just it just has like kind of like diminishing returns where it's just like, I feel like I've seen this before and as a result, I should be doing something else with my time rather than sinking my two hours into like a story that I've more or less already seen before. Again, it's not really fair to this specific movie, but it's how I feel when viewing certain movies like this. I understand where you're coming from. I would just push back and say that I think while I understand that it might not be the most original story, it feels it feels very lived in. And I think the screenplay for both of these movies, but particularly 1001, is very intelligent and feels authentic. And I think the performances are really what make it worthwhile. It kind of has like the moonlight frame of like three different eras of a childhood. Well, moonlight, you know, he's an adult in the third act of it, but in this movie, it's like three different eras of a childhood. And I think the actors that they cast to play the different versions or not versions, but periods of this kid's life are incredibly well cast specifically the, the final one. I think there's, it's a very emotional moments that happen. And I don't know. I think that just, it, it might not be the most original story, but I think it's an important story and I was moved by it. And I'm going to give a credit here. Um, give credit where but credit I understand is where due. you're coming from. Uh, yeah. And the, from, uh, the moonlight comparisons. Yeah, I would agree with it, but I think moonlight is a little better, has a little bit more going on so it makes it a little more interesting in that aspect i like the um because there is like a a like cleaning up the streets aspect of this movie and where and when it's set and i did think that added to the drama of it it's just the like the through line or the main drama of the movie just felt a little too familiar and you know, just viewing it from X amount of movies I've watched and kind of where I'm at in life. And again, I think it's a good movie. I just, I don't know. It just didn't really like hit for me on like a great level, but I could see it do not. And I'm not like discrediting you by saying this, but I could see this movie hitting harder for people who maybe have not watched as many movies as I have. Yeah, no, I feel you. Um, Travis is saying and, you this know, is a movie for the fucking masses. <laughs> no, and honestly, no, 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 that's like no, really definitely embarrassing that. for no. you, Matt. That like you even slightly like this. Come on. No, I. It's it's very fair and valid for someone to like and praise this movie. It's just 
where I'm at in my like movie going expedition, it just didn't. Yeah, you're too cool. I get it. I mean, your words, you, not mine. <laughs> but <laughs> no, you're looking for different things, though. I mean, I think you, you and I, when it comes down to these types of movies, we're we're attracted to different things, and movies like this don't like you can appreciate them, but they don't typically like resonate for you there's obviously exceptions i'm not trying to like put you in a box or anything but like i can see why yeah. this is a movie that like you admire I mean, yeah i gave like, it like, but three and a half really... versus your four and a half so like obviously yeah. on the positive side but just like you know great performances great story all that like don't i don't disagree with anything that you're saying it's just like for me it's like i've been there before or seen that before or like yeah, like what I've already said, where I'm contemplating. Yeah, Matt, been there, done that. No, mm-hmm. I'm contemplating why I'm even watching it because it's just <laughs> like, you know, I have my own like life to live, and I also have seen this movie before to a degree, and so you know, it's it, it may be more on me than the movie, but again, I just I don't know. It didn't like resonate to me as like something special. It just felt like. I mean, and not trying to discredit it more than I already have, but it just felt a little more of the same. No right. credit. Wasn't special. <laughs> um, Only okay. people like fucking plebs watch it. Like, no. we get it. Yeah, Travis. No, I think I, I think I fully got what you were saying. <laughs> So let me let me read the room real quick. I got to wrap it up text. So um, I'm trying to like by read the room. Do you see mean it, see how we can read your read read your house. How, how much read room your house? <laughs> let me read no, the room. I already for a read my room. Um, All right, I'm I got a text room. that says I need the room needs to be done. <laughs> Said shut the fuck up. We need to eat. I got that text. Oof. You haven't so eaten I'm asking yet. You it's guys. eight p.m. Yeah, I know. I know. I be done by like seven and you know then life happens girl please I should know better right now. yeah you should anyway. know better <laughs> fucking idiot <laughs> there's really only one movie that i still want to talk about um so i'm just trying to see honestly the the floor is yours i was not planning on talking about anything until you know the ball talk took a turn for the better <laughs> and so i had to keep the train rolling you had to you had with to. the ball talk <laughs> But I had Travis. no, I had no plans when it came to Travis what we've been balls. watching. I just felt yeah, like I would, I would piggyback off of anything you guys brought up. I got you. So it's my fault. You're saying always we're here right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, yeah, I understand. Paris, is there anything else that uh, you watch that you want to talk about? Um, no, let's no? fucking go. You got what? What okay. are we doing? Okay, this is what I meant by reading the room. Jeez. All right. <laughs> so, uh, two things, real quick. Ennis Men. I finally caught up with it. Huge. Uh, seemed like something I'd love on paper. It's not very good. It's really boring. Don't. Ennis Men. My review. Don't. Not worth it. Boring. <laughs> Looks cool. Eh. Who cares? Uh, the movie I want to talk about. That's pretty is, fair. Uh, <laughs> the movie I want to talk about is Rye Lane. And it, I watched it as part of Cram Jam. Oh, it was, wait, like, wait, 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 wait. I don't know how much we should talk about this. No, talk about it. Because it will definitely come up in end of year talks. It will? Okay, so you watched it? I did. 
and I think okay. we sh- you should just give like the briefest of brief. Yes. Okay. So I do want to talk about it in that if you're listening to this and you haven't seen it, I would recommend that you do. I was kind of floored by it. I wasn't, you know, it was on my radar, but like I wasn't expecting to like it as much as I did. Um, and I loved it. It's like, I guess you could call it a romantic comedy. So Matt, you um, like this more than Past Lives. No, definitely. They're different. So here's the thing. Really so here's the thing. One of Matt's that is favorite why. movies. One of Matt's favorite movies of all time is Before Sunrise, Before Sunset, Before mm-hmm. Sunset. And yep. he loves that trilogy. And this has that strong energy, mm-hmm. but like in a fun, modern, updated, stylish way. In a way that if Matt didn't like this, I would fucking quit this podcast right now. Like, there's, <laughs> I would be like, I don't even know this person. Like, who are you? Like. This is a Matt movie. Your instinct was right. Yeah. It it looks awesome. Like this is a first time director and it, it looks amazing. And I'm going to go out on a limb here and say it's probably the funniest movie that I've seen all year. Like I was like laughing consistently and chemistry is through the roof between the two leads. Uh, it takes place in, in London. Um, okay. Be cool. Though. It's, it's really funny. It's kind of a meet cute thing, you know, and we can save the rest of the discussion for later, but uh, watch it. It's on Hulu. You know, Matt, I'm proud of you for liking it as much as you do or did, but I'm disappointed in you for saying that it's better than past lives. I'm disappointed in myself in the sense that I, I'm not disappointed in myself. I'm disappointed in past lives. And I don't want to relitigate this right now because we're trying to get out of here. But you know, I wish I liked that movie more than I did. But great movie. Uh, that's on you. We will talk like about Rally this more. at end of year, you guys. Yeah. Come on. That's more on Matt than anything. Well, as Paris put it, that's going to be the end of it. So we're going to go ahead and wrap things up here. I don't know what the next episode is. There's a fucking baby in the mix. You know, it's we're going to figure it out. Keep an eye on the feed. I'm gonna I'm gonna do some behind the scenes editing magic to like stretch the content a bit, you know. So keep an eye on the feed. You'll see. Okay, I haven't mentioned this off air, but I actually have a friend who is a big movie buff and is very interested in potentially being like a temp, you know, co-host while Travis is being a dad. We will see. I have not given up any rain. <laughs> okay you're not gonna okay um okay he doesn't know yet what being a dad we will see like, what yes to be life fair entails. we're gonna figure it out yeah we're i mean gonna, you're not gonna be able to record nearly as much as you are now which is already you're already so fucking busy like what let me well, worry about my plans uh, uh, <laughs> There will be content. The content won't stop. It just might look a little different. Potentially, we don't know. I I am not against someone filling in for me. I will say I reserve the right to be on our top 10 of 2023 episode. Of course. Of course. We would never not have. Like, that's that's an insane thing that you just said. (laughs) And I know you're not a Tom where you have a baby and you disappear from all, you know, known intelligent life. Yeah, don't be a Tom. But, but. Well, it took two babies, to be fair. It did take two babies for Tom to disappear on us, but. Uh, The seeds were there, though, Matt, with the first one. Um. Yeah. Let's be yeah. real. Yeah. Pandemic yeah. didn't help anything. Yeah. 
That's true. Yeah. Not trying to air okay. dirty. But anyway, laundry, okay. But. So I was gonna say we don't need to get into all this, but all I'm saying is, Travis, if you need, if we need, because honestly, just me and Matt, trash. We need a third. Um, Woof! Oh my god! All right. Why? Because it's just us arguing the whole time. Yes, obviously. <laughs> we can't. It well, can't be just you and me. <laughs> to Paris's point, and to not make it personal, I yeah, I think a a tripod is obviously more interesting than just a two person we need a, a relatively neutral uh third party in the mix yeah, yeah do we need do we need the listeners to go back and listen to our fucking bob zom episode come on be fucking for real right now hey, that was like an hour long that was one of our most concise episodes we've ever done on this show so I don't know. exactly anyway. that's fucking boring nobody wants to hear that is it no people want three-hour uh rambling hey anyone <laughs> that listens listen anyone that listens to this podcast love has to love the rambling <laughs> that is what you get when you listen to this podcast that is very fair okay well we don't want to tamper with the magic it doesn't matter check the feed well we're gonna figure it out guys don't worry about it so we'll we'll see what's coming down the pipe we got to figure out some scheduling stuff but for this episode that is gonna do it thank you everybody for listening we will talk to you soon bye Bye. Bye.